I'll start with something light before we get to the meat of it. Um, one of the questions that Achredim discussed is why don't we have nine days of Hanukkah? Every Yom Tif we know that in Chutz Laretz, um, in Chutz Laretz we have an extra day because we didn't know um, when they were going to when the, the Rish Chodesh was um, determined based on the sighting of the new moon with kosher witnesses, etc. And the places that in the, were in the diaspora, the places that were far, didn't know when the first of the month was. So you don't know when the 25th of Kislev is. So you don't know when the finish of, we should have a ninth day of Hanukkah. Yeah? Sounds like a reasonable question. So anyway, any, any, off, any, any answers? Time it gets to the eighth day, we already know. It's not like we're waiting for somebody to tell us. Oh, very good. There's a concept called shluchi. There's a there's a question of shluchi tishrei and shluchi nissen. That means, as soon as they would announce what their shchodesh was, so they would start spreading the words. So originally, the problem originally they would spread it with the fires, but then the tzaddikim got involved, so they had to send out messengers. Now the messengers could travel, but they couldn't travel on Shabbos or on on Yom Tif. So there were places that on, by Pesach, they only did one day because by the time the 15th of the month came, they knew when Rish Chodesh Nisan was. But for Sukkot, because you have the extra day of Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, that they were not able, able to travel, so for Sukkot, they had to do two days because they didn't know by the time 15th of the month what time it was. So, some Achronim suggested that's why we don't have Sukkot Yom for Hanukkah. Because by the time it came the 25th of the month, and certainly by the time it came the 8th, yeah, the 3rd, the 8th day of Hanukkah, everybody already knew when Rish Chodesh was in um, the previous month. So that's one of the answers given. Um, now, there's a number of other answers given, we'll go through all of them, but some of the nice ones. But um, very good, Shmuley. Purim. Why don't we read the Megillah on the next day as well, in case that we got the day wrong? And there you don't have Shmuley's answer because that's the fifteenth day. It's the fourteenth day of the month. So why don't you read it again on the fifteenth? Oh, so that's it. In Walt cities, Purim is the next day. So you should say in Chicago we should read the Megillah on the fourteenth and the fifteenth, <laughs> and in, in in I don't know where in in Istanbul or wherever other places are might mm-hmm. of Chaima. Well, in the diaspora, they should read on the 15th and the 16th. So, the Mordechai says um, that that the reason we don't do it is because the Pasuk says, If you, anybody, in the beginning of Masechtas Megillah, the Mishnah says, and the Gemara discusses this, that at least in theory, it doesn't, it doesn't apply nowadays, but at least in theory, in the old days, it was possible under certain circumstances for people to have read the Megillah earlier, earlier than the 14th. If they lived in places in the villages where there was no one to read the Megillah, and there was a Monday and Thursday before, where people, which was the time when everyone went into the city, so that was the time to read the Megillah. This halacha doesn't apply pretty much nowadays. But, um, but the, so the Gemara discusses how do we know this. And the Gemara says... Um, the Gemara learns it out from Sukkim. The Megillah says Bismanehem in the plural, so it means you have to add more days than just the 14th and the 15th. 
um, which are explicitly spelled out in the Megillah. So then Gemara says, well, if you're adding more days, why don't you add afterwards? Why are you telling me that you could read the Megillah under those circumstances, on the 11th, 12th, and 13th of, of other, the, for the <coughs> few days leading up to Purim? Why don't you say for the few days post-Purim, for the 16th, 17th, and 18th of other? And the Gemara answers, The Pasuk says in the Megillah that these are the days of Purim, not to pass. So on the one hand, we have a Pasuk that tells us to add days. On the other hand, we have a Pasuk that tells us not to pass. So we, that, so we, the way we, that, what that means is that we don't pass. We don't go past the 14th and the 15th of other, And we have to add the days prior to Purim. Says the Mordechai, that's why you don't read the Megillah on, again in Chutzar, it's on the 15th of, 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 Nis, of other because your time, you're not a walled city, your time is the 14th. You're not allowed to read it. Um, past that time. So that's, well, that, so, so that's what the Mordechai says about Purim. Now the question becomes like this. In, sort of, I, I made a little bit of an assumption when I posed the question, but let's go step, up, step back a second. When do, when do we have Sveik Adiyema? Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Yeah? Which are all biblical holidays. Is there... Do we bechlal? Is, is there even such a notion of sacred yemen that we have to add a day because of that concern when it comes to a rabbinic holiday, right? A rabbinic mitzvah. So, some point to this Mordechai and they say, "You see, you do," because the Mordechai says, "Why don't we read the Megillah again on the fifteenth? And he says, "Because we have a pasuk for yaver." He could have said something much simpler. Could have said, "Megillah is the rabbanon; it's not a biblical mitzvah." So, so there's no Sveika de Yema. There's no, you don't need to worry about Sveika de Yema for something which is only the Rabbana. Um, so, from the fact that the Mordechai doesn't say that and he needs this thing of Eloi Yaver, it would seem to imply that absent of Eloi Yaver, we do have to concern ourselves with Sveika de um, with Sveikad Yema for our Benik Mitzvah. Is everyone with me? Yes? Because of his argument. Right. So if we do have to concern ourselves with Sveikad Yema for the Rabbanon, then the question remains on Hanukkah. Um, why don't we have an extra day of Hanukkah? Right? For which Shmuley gave the answer that by then we already have um, however, it's not so simple that the two are comparable because it, some is is Purim really a derabbanon? Is, re, is the status of the mitzvah of Megillah really only midrabbanon? Um, perhaps it's midivri kabbalah. In other words, it's obviously not a biblical mitzvah. It's not one of the six hundred thirteen mitzvahs. But because it's midivri kabbalah, it's part of scripture. It's part of the 24 Kisya Kedesh, so perhaps it has a status as Divri Kabbalah, and this has other ramifications. If somebody, forget about the next day, what if on the day of Purim you heard the Megillah, but you're not sure that you heard all the words? Do you have to hear it again? So you're in doubt. It's a suffix, it's a doubt. So do you have to be Machmir? Do you have to be stringent? Or can you be, be Mekel? So if it's just a regular Drabbanon, Rabbinic Mitzvah, then in the case of doubt, perhaps you could be lenient. But because Purim may be a status of Divri Kabbalah, so therefore you have to be Machmir. 
Um, there are a number of rayas from the Gemara, however, that there is no need to do Sveika de Yoma um, for a Dirabanon. And I'll just touch on one of them. That. Um, From going back to Sukkos, right? So in Sukkos we have Sveikah Diyoma. Sukkos finishes on this. Hishan is the last day of Sukkos. Shemini Atzeres is another holiday. And the mitzvah of... What's the mitzvah that we do on Sukkos? We, we, sukkah. We live in the Sukkah. So because Shemini Atzeres, which is a new holiday, but actually today might be Hishan because we don't know what day it is, right? In other words, that's the whole concept of Sveikah Diyoma, that we, we're, we're behaving as if we don't really know what day it is. So that's why we still sit in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeres, right? Mm-hmm. No, so what's the problem with that? <coughs> why don't we shake Kuldo on Shemini Atzeres? We don't know. Huh? We don't know. We don't know. Right? Why don't we shake Kuldo on Shemini Atzeres? Baruch Atah Adonai, Oh! Is Lulav the Raisa? What does it say in the Pasuk? Well, for the first day. Oh! For the first day it's the the rest of Sukkot. First day it's a biblical mitzvah. Maybe for Shemini Tzeret it's the What? Maybe for Shemini Tzeret it becomes the Why? Why not? It'll fit then. It'll fit. So, in the midst of Sukkot, the rest of Sukkot is only a Satakon of Rabbi Yechenim and Zakai. Zeicher Lamiktosh. Because in the, in the in the temple there was a mitzvah to take a biblical mitzvah to take the lulav every day, but outside of the temple, uh, according to the Rambam, that mitzvah applies in the whole old city of Jerusalem. But the normal, yeah, outside of the temple, the biblical mitzvah is only <coughs> on the first day of Sukkot. So that's another pointer to the, perhaps the fact that for mitzvah darbanon, there's no um, concern with take the yomer. Okay. Now, so the, so the subject for today, that was just sort of a prelude. The, the subject really for today's class is about where do we light the menorah? Inside, outside, by the window, mm-hmm. by the door. So, um, again, there's much to be said about this. And I would like to, with Hashem's help, um, to try and synopsize just the basics of the sugya and that we could understand the different approaches and where everyone is coming from and the basis for the various uh, minhogim. <coughs> we have to read a couple of Gemaras here in the Sugya of Hanukkah. Two, 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 a few lines of Gemara. The Brayshe says, "Mitzvaso mishatishka hachamon." The mitzvah of the light, the Benayro, is to light it after sunset. Ad shetich l'regel minashuk until there is nobody left on the street. What does it mean that you have to light it? This price is coming up in the context of a discussion of if the menorah, if the if if, if the menorah gets extinguished, do you have to relight it? So, question: Kafsa zakaklok, kafsa in zakaklok. We're not going to discuss it today, but the Gemara is attempting to bring this raya, this price as proof 
that if the, if the candles go out, you do have to rekindle it, because it says you have to burn the manure from sunset until the streets are empty. So that would imply that if an, at some point after sunset the candles go out, you have to rekindle it and make sure that it's still burning until there's no one left in the street. But do you have to say the bracha okay. We're not discussing kafsa in zakah kloda. Just the halacha is a kafsa in zakah You don't need to rekindle it, but the minhag is that you do rekindle it anyway, but without a bracha. Yeah. Okay. But we're not, we're, uh, don't get too sidetracked the okay. <laughs> um, I have for the Gemara the but the Bryce says that you have to that the candle that the candles have to burn from sunset until the streets are empty it doesn't mean that if the candles are extinguished you have to rekindle it it means that if you didn't light it immediately after sunset you could still light it five minutes after sunset and if you didn't light it five minutes you could light it ten minutes after you didn't ten, twenty minutes until when when is it too late to light the menorah? When the streets are empty. Inam, the inami, alternatively, the shiura. That you, um, that the, the Bryce is telling me that it has to be from sunset to the, to, to, to the streets are empty is telling, is not, it's, it's not about when you light the menorah. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how much oil or how, yeah, how much oil do you have to put in your menorah. You have to put enough. Let's say that time is half an hour. Yeah, we know that half an hour. Let's say it's half an hour. You have to put oil that the candles will burn half an hour. You can light it whenever you want. I'm not talk, we're not talking about when you should light it. We're talking about how much you have to light. How much fuel you need to put in the, in the flame. <coughs> Says Toysus. So again, the Bryson says you have to the Bryson says that you have to light the menorah from sunset until the street is empty and the Gemara had two ways to explain the Bryson either this means that if, that if you didn't light it at sunset you could still light it as long as the as the pe- there's still people in the street. Alternatively, we're not talking about what time to light the menorah, but we're talking about how much menorah to light, how much oil to put in. Says Teisus, According to the first answer, once there's no one left in the street, the time has passed. Yeah, let's say it's half an hour. Half an hour after sunset, it's too late. You can't light the menorah anymore because the, stri- the streets are empty, which was the case then. Oymeri Peiras. So therefore the repairer says that you have to make sure to light the menorah as soon as it gets dark. Because very soon, as soon as the streets are empty, <coughs> it's going to be too late. So make sure, or get into the habit of doing it right away. Nevertheless, if for whatever reason you didn't light it right away, you could still light the menorah later on in the evening because you have the second answer of Mesophic, from, as, a, from, as a doubt, why? Because you still have the second answer of the Gemara to rely on, that we're not talking here about when to light the menorah, we're talking about how much menorah to light. So according to the first answer of the Gemara, once the streets are empty, it's too late. According to the second answer, no, you can light whatever you can light all night. You just have to make sure that you're going to burn enough oil to, for that time. It's half an hour you have to burn. You light the menorah at 11 o'clock at night and just make sure it burns for half an hour. It has enough fuel to burn for half an hour. Again, sorry, there's many, many side streets uh, okay. to go onto. We have to. Try, I want to try and keep focused. Uh, okay. 
the ato in It's a very good question. That's why I can. If it was a quick answer, I would tell you to answer you. It's a very good question, and there's a lot of discussion about where the half hour comes from, and that's why there's no time to do it right now. Says the re that nowadays, so again, let's just read what Tosha said. You have to light it right away because according to the first answer of the Gemara, that's when you have to light it. But if you didn't, then you can light it later. Says the re. Nowadays it doesn't matter. Nowadays you can light it whatever you want. Why? The ano ain't lono hekera elav neibayis. We light the menorah inside. So for us, the hacker is only the, the hacker means the, the the symbolism, the recognition, the the sign. It's hard to hard to translate. Yeah, is only for your family members. Because we light inside. So the whole reason to light right away is because according to the first answer, Gemara, you have to light when there's people in the streets. Yeah. Um, but if you're lighting inside and you're the, the people you're lighting for are your family members so you can light whatever you want so even you could light later at night okay now we'll yet return to analyze this toysfus and the practical ramifications let's continue to the next Gemara uh, later on in the page Gemara says like this the mitzvah of the menorah is to light it outside your house. Um, it's a question, if it means in those days the norm was that they had a bunch of houses in a chutzr, in a courtyard, and then the courtyard opened to the street. So you have to light it and the entrance from your house into the courtyard and from the courtyard into the street. Okay. If you lived in a in the second floor, in the attic, yeah, where the assumption is that you don't have your own door going to the street. So then, you put it in the window facing or close to the public domain. Does this mean inside the window or outside the window? Okay, we'll see. In a time of danger, you put the menorah on your table, and that's enough. It's enough. It's good enough. So, originally, the, uh, essentially, the menorah has to be lit outside or by the window. But in a time of danger, it's good enough to put it on the table. Now, what type of danger are we talking about? What type of danger could there be not to light the menorah um, outside. So um, some say some understand that it was a sakana where there was a decree. There was a decree that you're not allowed to light the menorah. It was a decree against religion. And so um, they had to you could light it was dangerous. They had to light the menorah inside. Um Because even though you have to have Mishasa Gzeira, you have to have Mesiris Nefesh. Yeah? Even though usually Mesiris Nefesh is only for the three cardinal sins. But in a time of the Gzeira, you have to have Mesiris Nefesh for everything. But, even though you have, so you have to, you can't say we're going to abolish the Menorah because it's dangerous. You still have to light the Menorah. You have to have Mesiris Nefesh for Menorah. But we are, we are allowed to change it somewhat to make it um, less of a danger. And we find actually a similar concept in the Gemara in Ksubis where it says that 
the custom, the, the, the Chazal wanted, we don't do this nowadays, but Chazal wanted that everyone should always get married on the same day of the week. So originally all weddings were on Wednesdays. Then there was a decree um, which basically um, the, 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 the brides would be taken by the general or whoever it was before the wedding. So they changed it for all the weddings became on Tuesday. Right? Because to uproot this mitzvah that all the weddings should be in the same time, that we couldn't do because this is a Shah Sashmad. So we have to stick to our guns. We have to be most nefesh even for a very seemingly insignificant mitzvah. But we're allowed to change it to accommodate a little bit. So that's what they did when it comes to the menorah as well. So that's one way of understanding the Takana. Um, others understand actually that we're not talking here about a persecution against religion, but we're talking here about a um, idolatrous practice, um, which is, there's a, you can Google this, there's a Zoroast- Zoroastrian uh, uh, idol called, a deity called Ahura Mazda, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you can Google it, and that's like the, I think he's like the peak of the pyramid or something, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but basically they had a rule on certain days that there was no candles allowed to be found outside of their places of worship. So it wasn't something to specifically against the Jews or against Menorah, against Hanukkah. It was just a general thing that and today no candles are allowed outside of their place of worship. Um, so during the time of this, now other Rishonim actually say, other Rishonim say that actually Sakana doesn't have to mean Sakana. There could be all sorts of reasons why it's not a good idea to light outside. For example, if the climate is, is challenging, if it's very cold, if it's windy, right? So really, in most places, the only pl- way to light outside is to do in a glass box, which itself has its own problems, because some people can say that the glass box is no good. There's a number of reasons why the glass box may not be good. Um, one reason is because, this is really, if you want to get very from, there's a whole question about whether or not when you see something through a glass, is that halakhically considered seeing it? Um, um, you know, for that matter, you have the same problem if you light in the window. Uh, the normative approach is that seeing something through, through glass is okay. Um, uh, and it's a kula and a chumra. In other words, let's say there would be something that you're not allowed to daven in front of, a not sneers thing, yeah? So you would say, oh, well, it's outside the window, or you, have a, you could have a see-through mechitza, yeah, glass mechitza, and it's, it's a glass, it's not called seeing, right? So we obviously that's not the normative approach. Also for laning, right? You read the Megillah, you read the Sefer Torah, so sometimes you might have a balkari who's makbed to take off his glasses when he lanes. But um, that's not the normative custom. Um, uh, but, but perhaps a more intrinsic problem with the, with the glasses, that the way that many of the glasses work is, if, especially if it's in a windy place, it's all closed and there's a little hole that you open up to stick your hand in to light the menorah. And um, as soon as you finish lighting, you have to close the door right away, otherwise it's going to blow out. Now, we paskan had loka is a mitzvah. That means that the mitzvah takes place at the moment that you light it. Now, if at the moment that I light, I light it, this is not a sustainable flame that could burn for half an hour, so then we just said, you have to make sure that it has enough oil. In other words, that this is a flame that's sustainable for half an hour. So that's perhaps another problem with the, gla- with the glass covers. Either way, the Rishonim, some of the Meiri, the Ritva, I don't recall all the sources, but many suggest that actually we don't just mean in a time of Sakana, but there could be numerous reasons why not to light outside. Be that as it may, the custom f- amongst all Jewish communities um, for many centuries 
has been that we don't like the menorah outside. Nobody likes the menorah outside. Um, and in Redi the Urzarua, one of the very prominent early Rishonim, he says, I don't understand, there's no Sakana anymore, nowadays there's no danger, and I don't understand why we don't light outside, but we don't, that's just, we just don't do it. And, um, um, there's much to be said, especially when it comes to Hanukkah, we talk about the Greeks trying to say, well, forget about, we could take the logic of the Torah, but what's this sort of super rational thing and part of the uh, part of the part of the tradition but yeah the Messiah we don't just do Rashi Rashi they bring the Rashi and Shirashirim if you don't know what to do do what your ancestors do do what your father does right so there's a Ruah himself who says I don't understand it doesn't make any sense why are we lighting inside but the Maestro there's a Ruah still lit the menorah inside he didn't light the menorah outside and this was the case throughout all, again, like I said, all Jewish communities for many centuries that nobody lit the menorah outside until um, in the last um, century or two, basically. I don't think maybe I don't think more than that. Um, maybe maybe even less than that. In Eretz Yisrael, um, certain baker the literature, primarily literature in Eretz Yisrael, started lighting. Living in Eretz Yisrael, there's no sakana anymore. Started lighting the menorah outside, and indeed, if you go to Eretz Yisrael, it's very common to see people lighting the menorah outside their homes. And there's different shittas. Do you do it? Many, most people in Eretz Yisrael in the busy big cities live in apartments. So do you do it at the door of your apartment building to the hallway? Do you do it on the entrance of the uh, sorry of your apartment to the hallway, or at the entrance of the building? Different customs of how to do it, but that is the minhag for for many people in Eretz Yisrael. But e- even in Eretz Yisrael, Gufa. Uh, amongst Chassidim, th- this minhag has not been accepted at all. And in Chutzlaretz, it's practically unheard of to see people lighting the menorah outside. <coughs> public, yeah, no, public menorah lighting is a separate thing. But nobody, I mean, it's, it's very important to know. Well, we've discussed this in the past, and I think there could even be the Rebbe. I think the Rebbe said to announce this. The Rebbe said that at the public menorahs, Lightings, you should announce that this does not fulfill your mitzvah of menorah, and you have to go home and light the menorah because the public menorah lighting is not. In order to fulfill the mitzvah of menorah, it has to be done in your house, right? It's very important. Also, like uh, we discussed, mentioned last week, if you go, you're having a Hanukkah party at your friend's house or your relative's house. It's very nice, but before you go to the Hanukkah party, you have to go to your house and light the menorah. We discussed this yesterday when you had your brother's wedding, right? So you're, I mean, it's not the house where you live all year. The house where you live today, you're renting, you're sleeping there tonight. So you have a wedding to go to, but before you go to the wedding, you have to light the menorah in the house where you live. There's a whole shaila about what the chassan should do, because what's considered his house, and perhaps the chassan could be made called that, the chede yichud is called his house, or sometimes the, the, the chassan will light the menorah in the chede yichud if it comes out around the right time, with the chub is the right time, that's a complicated question about what the chassan should do, but other than the chassan... you don't have the half an hour to watch the menorah, you have to be somewhere, you know, by 5 o'clock, and night falls, 4.45. So, uh, well, first of all, we light by shkia. But yeah, so and the if you can't be there for half an hour, so try and be there for a few minutes. But it's better Let's to light. To light it first. Yeah, yeah, and of course, don't try. Ideally, you should leave somebody else to watch the menorah. First of all, because if you can't stay for half an hour yourself, if you have a shliach to stay half an hour for you, and also for safety. Like, uh, unfortunately, there's many fires, things. It's very important to 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 not leave. Uh, if you do leave the fire. Uh, you know, candles are more dangerous than the oil things because candles could fall. Yeah, but the oil things, as long as they're sturdy, they're not going anywhere. And as long as they're not near, like what I do if I have to leave, even after half an hour, 
So make then you could put out the menorah already, uh, but it's customary not to. So the children's menorahs, which are candles, I put them out, and the shamash I put out. And the oil, I move it somewhere to make sure that even if some by some magic they do fall, that it's not near anything flammable. Um, anyway, um, so, so what are we to make of this minhag? Only to, to light inside, even though uh, there's no danger. Now, um, there's various suggestions given for it. Like I said, you know, it's already, there's a Ruah already says that this is the Minhag. Um, I mentioned last week, so there's a truva here from the very Shur, Rabbi Shur Menachem Ehrenberg, who was a Belzer of an Israel, a big Talmud Chacham, and he um, he says he bas- he tries to argue that actually doesn't mean that at a time of danger you could put it on your table and that's good enough. What that means is that because there came a time of danger, Chazal changed the Takana, just like by Ksubas we mentioned before. There used to be a Takana that weddings have to be on Wednesday. And then they changed it and they said, now it has to be on Tuesday. And now, what if you say, oh, I'm going to be Machmir and get married on Wednesday? Sorry, the Takana has changed. Now the Takana is that you have to marry on Tuesday. So he wants to argue, and he, he, he tries to, he bases this on which he argues was written much later and there has a different wording than the Gemara and you can see it's, it's, you know, it's all these pages it's a long tshuva um, but uh, it's a very fascinating tshuva and he ar- wants to argue that means that Chazal changed the Takana that from now on from the Takana changed and now there's no longer a mitzvah to light it outside now the mitzvah is only to light it inside and he goes so far it's quite a radical suggestion to suggest that if you light it outside, you're not yet to the mitzvah. Because the mitzvah changed. It used to be to light it outside. Now the mitzvah is to light it inside. It's definitely not the uh, sort of... It's a tremendous chiddush, and he did go, come under a lot of fire for, for it, but he stuck to his guns, and he, there's, there's follow-ups from this tshuva uh, that he wrote. Um, did he live? He read in... Uh, now. No, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he's not alive anymore, but I'm saying... Yeah, in the these tshuva, yeah, can they in the 50s, 60s, 70s? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Um, now the truth is that one of the difficult things to understand about this is that we are all in, um, conditioned to believe that an intrinsic part of the mitzvah of menorah is persomenissa. Mm-hmm. So, what use is they lighting the menorah inside? Um, if that's not going to have the Pesuminissa that it's going to have outside. And indeed, especially for Chabad, um, where uh, in my morning it talks so much about how lighting the menorah outside and bringing the light into the, du- uh, into the dark of the night, and the Rebbe even more so pushed for public menorahs. So it seems to be a little bit of a strange thing. Now actually, um, so there's a number of things to be said about that. Um, first of all, the Rogachev already suggests that actually, Prisuminissa um, is not an intrinsic part of the mitzvah. It's, in fact, he, I think he's, he's basically suggesting that it's not part of the mitzvah at all anymore. Because there's the concept, the, the, the Gemara says that Batl Megillah Tanis. That means Megillah Tanis, there's a whole bunch of days in the year that are special days. Some of them are fast days, some of them are celebratory days. But that 
that Megillah's Tanis, those laws were bottled, they were not perpetuated, with the exception of Hanukkah and Purim. So the Rogachava says that it's true that Hanukkah and Purim are the, were not uh, nullified, but it's only but, but the Pursuminissa element of it um, was um, was nullified. That's a tremendous chiddush. However, even without going as um, uh, sort of as, as as exotic as the Rogachava's understanding, already from the Gemara that we learned and the Tosis that we learned. Um, there is strong proof that it, that the presuming nissa element to the public is not intrinsic to the mitzvah. Why? Because Taisa says that um, I mean it's, it's clear from the Gemara in this Taisa, yeah, the Gemara, that, that according to the second answer of the Gemara, yeah, that you can the, the, that you could light the menorah even after there's no one on the street, yeah. Um, and the shiurah, the bride is just telling you how much oil to put. So even if there's no one left on the street, it's okay. Right? Later, Toysa says that we have a heck of a bias for your family members. But even before that, Toysa says even without the, even, even, even before you're lighting inside, you're lighting outside. So there's no heckle of bias. It's not about your family. It's only for the street. And even so, according to the second answer, it's okay to light it outside, even when the, once, once the streets are empty. Right? And this is indeed the halach and the maisa, even if somebody is in a desert island where there's no Jews or no people even, yeah, he still has to light the menorah with a bracha. So clearly, we see from there that Pirsuminissa is not at least, uh, that, that, that I, should, I should qualify that, Pirsuminissa for the street is not intri- for the public, is not in, uh, and even for your family, is not intrinsic to the mitzvah. Yeah? Even if somebody lives, uh, lives, uh, lives at home by himself and is going to be lighting inside, um, it's still, he's, he's still here to the mitzvah. Now the truth is that this concept of persume nisa is a little bit ambiguous because the word persume means to publicize. Right? However, so you would think it means, oh, publicize it has to be on the billboards, it has to be outside. But actually, we find the same, the same, um, the same phrase, persume nisa, is used um, with regards to Purim, to the Megillah. Um, and the Megillah is certainly not something which is done in the street, and it doesn't even have to be done with a minion, right? You can't, I mean, it's you're supposed to do the Megillah with a minion. But certainly, um, a person who's yoyed to the mitzvah 100% of Megillah, even if he, even if, even if, it's, if it's private. The Rambam, when he paraphrases the words Pesuminissa, he translates it as Zikorin Hanes, remembering the miracle. So even though at face value we, we, we sort of think that Pesuminissa means to publicize it, but perhaps at least intrinsically at the bare minimum, Pesuminissa is not about public, public, pu- publicity, it's about um, for yourself. Zikorin Hanes, you light the candles and it reminds you of the miracle. So even if there's no one in the street, or even if you're lighting at home and there's no one at home, where's the presuminissa? The answer is the presuminissa is for yourself. Yeah? And even though in Chassidus it talks about, by the way, the, 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 the Arizal also used to light the menorah, it was, uh, who, uh, everything is Alpika Bolov, yeah, the Arizal. Um, he used to light the menorah inside his house and not by the window, by the door inside his house. And um, so that's obviously a very strong 
probably the reason why Chassidim do it that way, and it's not just Chabad, it's virtually all Chassidim light inside. Um, and we'll get, I'll talk about the window in a minute. Um, but, um, but there are also Kabbalistical, I don't know, mystical reasons or deeper reasons why we shouldn't light outside. Um, the Shah Sasakona is also a spiritual thing, that in the time of Golos, there's all sorts of reasons given. Um, uh, if I care that nowadays when we're in Golos, so inside our homes it's also <laughs> like the Shuk. It's also like in the olden times of the Gemara, you had to go out into the streets to get to that darkness to illuminate it. Nowadays we could find that darkness in the house. That's the question. Samagat says that. Um, others say different reasons. There's all sorts of reasons you could find different reasons given. Um, and of course, there's also the concept of it's interesting because even though in Chabad we have all this emphasis on public menorahs and the memorial talk about Malchut. But the Rebbe spoke about and how the Rabbeim was dafke b'chashoy. That means the Rabbeim person, the Chabad Rabbeim personally lighting the menorahs was dafke in private. In other Hasidic communities, the Rebbe comes to light the menorah in public in the shul, and thousands of Hasidim watch. You can find on YouTube videos of different Rebbes lighting the menorah. And Lubavitcher was never like that. The Rabbeim always lit the menorah privately. So it seems like there's so, so, some sort of. Um, uh, contention when it comes to the, the mystical side of it. Do we want this to be all out there and do we want this to be private? And the Chabad approach is both. So on the one hand, our personal menorah will light inside the house and not by the window. But at the same time, we go out and do public menorahs and all of that. There's also, we have to be careful, going back to the Zerua thing, that we actually mentioned this in the Al-Tarebbe about in the Gemara class, about davening Mayriv um, late, that the, whenever you change a custom to be to do things, quote-unquote, more from or more chumrah than they've been doing in previous generations, you always have to address the question, does this infringe on the concept of being that you are sort of undermining or questioning the validity of the, your predecessor's um, practice, which is another, uh, another thing. Now, Hari, um, but... Uh, Now, what about just to? I don't have a lot to say, but just briefly to address about lighting at the at a doorway inside versus lighting at a at a window. So, uh, the the practice seems to have always been that people lit inside at a doorway. It definitely. Well, I, I don't know about if always. As I mentioned, I alluded to already before. Some someone argued that the whole concept of lighting by a window. Is was to light outside the window. To light inside the window is neither here nor there. Now, the idea of lighting inside by a doorway is, first of all, like I said before, the Arizal already did that, and the virtue in that is that you have the other mitzvah that the Gemara says you're supposed to be do it in a way that you're surrounded by mitzvah. So the Gemara is talking about lighting it at your front door, and you have the mezuzah on the right and the mezuzah on the left. So. By lighting inside, that's how you do it. You light manichal shuchani. The Gemara says manichal shuchani. You put it on your table, but the way we do it when we light inside is you put it. By the way, that's important to know when you go miftzayim. You go to people, visit people in their homes. 
Sometimes it's complicated and they're nervous about putting it by, by the door and you have to set up. I think you can just do it on the kitchen counter and the edge of the mitzvah. Um, but the minag of chesidim to light indoors is to do it in such a way that you have that milo of having the mezuzah miyamin and the nechanechem ismail. And I, I saw even some, some people were makbid, you know, Marshall, usually it's more convenient that you have that's an open passageway between a dining room and a living room or something. That's a convenient place to light the menorah. But such a, do- a doorway that doesn't have a mezuzah, uh, sorry, a doorway that doesn't have an actual door, well, even though we do put a mezuzah there, but we do without the bracha. According to Rambam, the obligation for mezuzah is only in a doorway that has a door. So I, I saw that in some, in some circles they were marked with that even if it's a doorway without a door, they would put up a, a, a makeshift door for Hanukkah, they would put up a makeshift door to make sure that even according to the Rambam, it's, it's actually fulfilling the mitzvah of mezuzah. Now the Morgan of Rome says, the Morgan of Rome says, that if your choice is to put it by the door or to put it in the window in a way that there's a hacker to the Rishush Rabbim. So then the Morgan of Rome says it's better to put it in the window. Um, and the Pimrugadim says that this is indeed what some people do. Um, but there's a number of things to be careful about. First of all, the Pimrugadim says that if your window is high, so the Gemara already says about putting it in the window if you live with Baalia. But the Pimrugadim says if your window is higher than 20 amas, which is very common today in, in apartment buildings, yeah, then you shouldn't put it by the window. Because then you should put it uh, by the door. Now, I don't know why. For some reason, the custom seems to be today uh, in, in, in that even people, for, for the, those communities who have the minhag to light it at the window, that they do so even if it's higher than 20 amas. Um, sometimes you could, ha- you could say, well, you have apartment buildings across, you could see into. It's not clear to me why, yeah, the, the Primogodim says explicitly not to do that. So I don't know why um, that's the minhag anyway. Um, there's also other considerations. One is if you have the a menorah. Well, I think nowadays it's less common than it used to be, but it used to be the style to have a menorah which has a back, a back wall. So then, if you sort of face it to the window, then you can't, you and your family can't see it. So then it's sort of excluding your family. So that's something which some poskim are not so happy with. And then there's also the question of higher than ten tefachim. The the menorah is supposed to be lo- not in shul, but the menorah in your house is supposed to be lower than ten tefachim. Then. Uh, about 30 inches or so, yeah. So, usually, to put it by the window, lower than 10 tzvachim. The menorah in your house? The menorah in your house is supposed to be dafka lower than 10 tzvachim. Okay. Yeah. From, from the base or from the... It's a shayla. So, uh, some people are marked with from the base, some people are... Sorry, some people are marked with that even the flame should be on the 10 tzvachim. Some people say the menor- the base of the menorah should be... Uh, it's the Gemara. The Gemara itself says it. Yeah? Um... But the chilla the menorah is supposed to be higher than three tefachim and lower than ten tefachim. Um, so that's another. So the primogodim says not to worry about that, if I recall correctly. That if you're going to put it by your window, and that means yeah, if your windowsill is is lower than ten tefachim, is higher than ten tefachim, so then it doesn't matter as long as it's lower than twenty yamas. Some places, if you have like a glass uh, porch door, so you could put it on a low stool in front of the in front of the, uh, and then you have both mailas. Well, that's perhaps another consideration, and of course there's the consideration of saying, well, actually, as long as you have hekel of bias, like, and 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 it's a, that's across the board. Yeah, there are more rights in a few places, uh, sort of in passing. Like Kolonim Adlikin nowadays, everybody lights on the inside. Kolonim Adlikin Bifnim, everybody lights on the inside. 
so that the consideration to have the hekel of bnei abayis that it's okay you have your family members or yourself and you have you're able to fulfill this concept of being surrounded with the mitzvah of mezuzah and the mitzvah of menorah so that overrides and not in our pastry some communities prefer in line with among Abraham to light at the window and some prefer to light inside by a door and to be surrounded by um, the mezuzah and and uh, and light and to do it to do it in such a way that it's at least as similar as possible to the original takona which was to light it in a doorway um, last year I got a call on the first night Hanukkah from somebody here in the community who said if I don't have mezuzahs um, where should I light the menorah now the truth is if a person doesn't have mezuzah, a mezuzah which let's say for example a person is lighting in a hotel room yeah, so then you're supposed to put it on the right because always you put a mitzvah on the right the only reason why we put the menorah on the left is because we have the mezuzah on the right and we want to be surrounded by mitzvahs now you could also say that even I don't know, I'm speculating that even for those who have the custom to light inside versus by the window that the reason to do this is because you want to be surrounded by mitzvahs if you're not going to be surrounded by mitzvahs yeah, then better do it in the window in line with the Mogan Avram or you could say no, better do it in a doorway which is more similar to the original Takana which was at the doorway but what I said to that person was that if you don't have mezuzahs you come over to my house right now and get mezuzahs and put up mezuzahs and then you light the menorah because he was living in this area here there was no, it wasn't a hotel room it was in his house, he just he moved in a few months ago and, and for whatever reason he hadn't uh, quote, gotten round yet yet uh, putting up mezuzahs, so I said, uh, every moment you have a chiv to put up a mezuzah right away and uh, perhaps even a chiv de rais so a question if a rental is a chiv de rais or de rabona. yeah, so he came over to my house, he got six mezuzahs he put them up, and then he went home and he lit manera so um, yeah, okay, we'll stop here okay.